This is an AMI podcast. You're listening to the Kitchen Confession Podcast with Chef Mary Mamaliti. Let's talk a little bit about Abandoned Grove. How did you come up with the idea and what is its mission? And in the past few years, especially since COVID, prior to COVID, I've seen a lot of people abandon not only a lot of land, but a lot of investments. All I wanted to do was try to recreate that oil that changed my life every single harvest. So every single harvest, I try to recreate that oil that it needs to literally just knock me on, on, my, on my ass, basically. <laughs> like literally an intense, um, I just need to get that feeling again. And then my goal was if I can create a phenomenal olive oil and hopefully create that aha moment experience in people as they taste it. And because I can create this community that understands olive oil. And because of that, I can maintain land that's rejuvenated and I can support the community where that olive oil comes from. That's check, check, check. We're talking about the environment. We're talking about the landscape. We're talking about a community and we're talking about ourselves and the health and not to mention on the selfish level, it tastes delicious. So to me, I'm like, there's too many positives to ignore. This makes a lot of sense. That's Phil Bucchino. He's an international extra virgin olive oil expert and professional taster, host and co-producer of the award-winning documentary Obsessed with Olive Oil, a speaker, recipient of the International Association of Olive Oil Restaurants Award, and the founder and olive oil producer at Abandoned Grove. Phil, is there something that you're not working on right now? Because that was a (laughs) mouthful. Welcome. (laughs) Thank you. Very nice to be here. So what I like to do is start off with a little bit of an icebreaker. So let's play a round of this or that. I'm going to give you two options. You choose one that best suits you. Are you ready? I hope so. All right. Let's go. Steak or seafood? Steak. Salad or soup? Salad. Chips or fries? Fries. Coffee or tea? coffee wine or beer wine spicy or mild spicy this next one's it's a tough one and depending on how you answer it'll determine if we can be friends sweet or savory savory are we friends Phil. it's okay we'll still be friends okay i gotta be honest <laughs> that, one, that one's a weird one because it's always been savory my whole life and then as I get older, I develop the sweet tooth, which I never had as a kid, which makes no sense. <laughs> <laughs> I've always had this insane sweet I, tooth. Yeah, I'm just going to answer both. I need both. my savory, but I need to finish my savory with the sweet. It's a little sweet and salty. I can't finish a meal without some sweet. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get to know you a little bit. So how did you become interested in this field? What inspired you? Um, what inspired you to become a professional taster and olive oil producer? Great question. I don't really have an answer to it. <laughs> <laughs> right out of the gate, we're, we're stumped. <laughs> right out of the gate, we're stumped. I, you know what? I don't know. I think um, coming from, I think there's a human connection. It's probably in our DNA as human beings. Olive oil is somewhere in it. it crosses borders. It crosses cultures. All religions agree to it. So I think subconsciously, it's always been, you know, have been born in Italy to an Italian family and moved to Canada. Obviously, olive oil, um, to anybody that's in the Mediterranean, it's part of your, your, your makeup. It's part of your DNA in every way. But I've been trying to connect the dots 
to try to make it make sense. And I don't know fully, but for sure, one thing I can say that if I didn't move, it might not, I did, but if my parents didn't move to Toronto and they didn't start missing Italian food and they weren't involved in nutrition and healthy diet, and they were both medical doctors in Italy, um, and of course, they started, they couldn't find good olive oil and they started importing their own. If it wasn't that they started looking for it to bring it here, I don't think I would have ever noticed it. And I'm going to add one more level to that. If it wasn't that then I started touring as a professional musician and then when I was playing, my folks would send me olive oil, new harvest olive oil uh, while I was on the road. I think that created this little extra connection to it. Um, so I think it was lucky. It was just a bunch of little coincidences. And then the, probably the main coincidence was when I ended up being at a harvest uh, in Tuscany on a break from tour. And I tasted an oil that um, literally erased everything. It was almost like there's olive oil and then there's olive oil. Like what? Like they were so different. And that really sparked my curiosity. And then from then on, I went into a rabbit hole. Then I went into my first harvest. I touch the olive leaf, the olive tree, and it sounds completely kind of, uh, I don't want to know, like, like airy, but it was literally, it felt like the olive branches and the olive tree were put there for me to grab. And, uh, and I'm sure that that is the same feeling that everybody's had as walks that has walked through a grove because there's an, an incredible electricity, uh, when you walk through a grove, it's almost as you can feel the generations before you, or you can feel a history that I'm not sure exactly what it is, but anyways, it was lining bolts. I went into a rabbit hole. Uh, I am still uh, the olive and 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 its fruit and its juice. I mean, the olive and its juice are very um, very complex. There's tons of learning. I started studying back then. I probably going back to 2007, 2008 ish. That's when I kind of started really getting involved in it, and uh, um, I'm still learning every single day. So it's don't know exactly. I'm still connecting the dots. I mean, I think if we if we stop learning, I think then it becomes boring, right? So yeah. if you're, as long as you continue to learn as you're going along is what you just said, you're always learning with it. There's always something new. There's always something different. And that's what keeps it interesting and exciting. Yeah. And I mean, when you think about it, you know, going back to olive oils versus olive oil, there's 2000 cultivars in the world. A cultivar is an olive varietal. Um, Italy has over 700 of them and 573, 74 are being worked on every year to make olive oil, extra virgin, table olives. Every year, I am discovering or tasting a new one. <laughs> so, I mean, there's, and I taste a lot of oils. Like I, I, I go through hundreds and hundreds um, in a year. And every year, there is one or two that I'm like, I have never tasted this before. And this is, sometimes it's amazing. Sometimes like, mm, not for me, but it's really cool. On top of all the technology and all the advances and the the, the science and the tech that's going behind proper olive, like new modern olive oil production. Um, even that every year, like in the past six, seven years, the kind of changes that we see at the mill or agronomical practices, they just keep changing and keep getting better because we discover more things. Um, but the cool thing is just the quest for this incredible extra virgin. Um, and it's cool to see more and more passionate people about it. So let's talk a little bit about Abandoned Grove. How did you okay. come up with the idea and what is its mission? It was, a, it was a blend of being sad and being fascinated by the state of abandoned groves across Tuscany. Now, when you think that Tuscany is roughly in the, in the area of the county, like just in the, in the county area, you're looking at around 55 to 60% abandonment rate. 
And it, I was blown away by it because when you think about the um, the brand name, I guess, or brand recognition that that Tuscany or the Chianti will carry, and when people talk about Italian olive oil, and they think about Tuscan olive oil, and that amount of groves were abandoned, I just started thinking, what happens with the rest of the world? What happens when I leave this area and I'm going to less tourist areas? And and then you start realizing, I started realizing that the set of abandonment is a pretty big deal. And abandonment happens for many reasons. I mean, on on the most on the least harmful way, actually, there's no least harmful way, but one of the avenues is people inherit land, multi-generational land. They inherit all these groves. They don't know what to do with them. They don't care to do anything with it, and they just leave it be. The problem with that is once, you know, when you think about the Mediterranean, Mediterranean has been cultivated for thousands of years. And the Mediterranean natural state of land is to be cultivated. So as soon as land especially in Italy, when everything, everybody lives on top of each other. If that land becomes abandoned and it's not taken care of, it gives rise to all kinds of issues from, I mean, we, we had fires in Tuscany that never used to happen. Of course, with the heat, floods that are insane, um, invasive species. And all of these usually come from land that was abandoned because land that is cultivated, it's taken care of. You know what you have, you know how to, you, you know, you got water control, you got fire control, you can actually maintain it. Um, so on one side is that it's people that basically inherit the land and don't care. The one that really, uh, struck a chord with me was people that were investing, that were really found passion in olive oil, that were investing a lot of money into bringing this, you know, uh, getting, trying to make olive oil and trying to bring olive oil to market to realize that the cost of production from an olive grove, when you, at the most basic level, it's more expensive than oil that we would find here at a grocery store after it's gone through an importer, a distributor, the retailer gets their margin, and the original cost of production is actually higher than that, you realize the boutique production, uh, artisanal production, working on traditional groves uh, and not the super intensive, it's, it's an expensive process. So eventually people would start and they abandon. And in the past few years, especially since COVID and prior to COVID, I've seen a lot of people abandon not only a lot of land, but a lot of investments, people that had bought mills that had let them be, people that had gotten into uh, the business and quit before they even got <laughs> because they just got cleaned out. So it's very, very difficult. So my thought was simple with abandoned growth. There's so much positivity around olive oil. If I can create a phenomenal olive oil and hopefully create that aha moment experience in people as they taste it, and because I can create this community that understands olive oil. And because of that, I can maintain land that's rejuvenated and I can support the community where that olive oil comes from. That's check, check, check. We're talking about the environment. We're talking about the landscape. We're talking about a community. And we're talking about ourselves and the health and not to mention on the selfish level, it tastes delicious. So to me, I'm like, there's too many positives to ignore. This makes a lot of sense. So the thought was, okay, well, if I can keep rejuvenating more land, I can create more olive oil and then just keep feeding this positive loop. And in a nutshell, it's that. And, um, and it's exciting now because we are at five groves. We're almost at 5,000 trees. We just taken over uh, another three hectares of land. This one will be a mix of rejuvenation and new trees going in. We've actually uh, just found out yesterday we're going to be adding 10 trees. It's not a lot, but 10 new trees to this area of a grove that was abandoned that had an empty space. And we're going to add some more trees um, 
And that's really exciting. And now, you know, the, the working with different producers and looking at different regions, and um, it's really exciting. I'm getting a lot of calls of people that have grocery or abandoned saying, hey, what can we do? What can we... So we're, we're working on, there's a few exciting projects around Abandoned Grove right now, but that in essence, that is it. I'm Mary Mamaliti, and you're listening to the Kitchen Confession Podcast. Today, I'm talking with olive oil expert, Phil Bucchino. I'm really interested in to learn more about the production process and then how you ensure that the quality and authenticity of your olive oil at Abandoned Grove is what yes. you want it to be. All I wanted to do was try to recreate that oil that changed my life every single harvest. So every single harvest, I try to recreate that oil that it needs to literally just knock me on, on, my, on my ass. Basically. <laughs> like literally an intense, um, I just need to get that feeling again. And then my goal was, hey, if I felt like that and I can recreate that, obviously respecting nature, understanding that nature is different every year, and I can bring that back to Toronto, to friends and family, hopefully they will feel just as as inspired um, as I was by a juice or an oil that somebody ever thought, you know, olive oil is olive oil and then there's olive oil. Hopefully they'll feel that same thing too. So the meticulous process kind of, it starts with the groves. It always starts, it's fruit, um, it's natural. So we start by monitoring the grove all year round. Um, In our group, we got five groves now that we've rejuvenated each one of them through different uh, different altitudes, different exposures, some of them different cultivars, but the majority of it, we, we work with three different cultivars, which is the Frontoyo, the Lecino, and the Morayolo, which is very typical from Tuscany. Um, so we monitor the trees. We work on always either from, you know, uh, maintenance pruning or very reformative pruning of the trees. What we want to do is want to ensure that the tree always has the most amount of energy to give the best possible fruit, but also we try to give it uh, uh, a shape that facilitates us the harvest. So again, it's that connection between human and nature. So we're going to work with the tree, so the tree is has all the energies that it can possibly have, but set up the tree in a situation that facilitates our harvest as well too. So it's also finding the balance is pretty interesting. Now I'm not an agronomist by any stretch of the imagination. I'm learning a lot about growth work, but. It is pretty amazing when a, tr- when a tree is treated the right way and you find that balance and then the balance is symbiotic with, with our hand. Um, it becomes, again, it's just this whole spiral of positivity and amazingness. So there really isn't seasonal. This is like a 365-day, all-year-round kind of thing because you're starting from it, – it's just a loop process. You know the way – or am I misinterpreting this? Like you, do you have a certain window of – opportunity where this is where you have to start everything and that's in order to get the optimal product that you want or is it again all year round you're nurturing you're doing something related to giving this olive oil at the end yeah i mean we're i mean the plant a lot of the work happens in the grove i mean right now there's pruning some of them are being reformed heavily some of them are not Um, but that all impacts correct that all impacts then we then we monitor for pests then we monitor for there's a lot of things that we got to take care of, right? Um, so, yeah, it all impacts. And every year is a bit different. Yeah, okay. And since 2013, and I'm going to say 2013, because prior to 2013, even talking to older producers and people that have been doing it, they were like, it used to be pretty steady. I mean, technology was different. But since 2013, every year is literally a curveball. I mean, even the thought that 
to not take nature for granted. Even the thought that I should go to a grocery store every single day and find olive oil on the shelf, it's insane to me because some of these plants, some years, they just do not yield. I mean, they yield, but the quality right. the, sorry, the quantity can change so dramatically based on the climate that it's, it's ludicrous to think that I should expect nature to give me what I want every single year in the quantity that I want and when I want it. Like, it's insane. Right. So I think there's something beautiful about understanding and respecting and going, hey, I got less this year, so be it. I got more this year, more to celebrate. But it is what it is, right? Right. When we come to the harvest, we wait for the olives to mature at a certain point. And now that is where there is part art, part science, experience, and a lot of intuition. I mean, it's, it's really cool. There's a hack that we do all the time. And this hack is, uh, we just call it, uh, I don't, I wouldn't even know exactly. Uh, no, we call it many different things. We don't have a name for it. But in essence, you grab the olive from the tree and you smash it in your hand. You break it down. You get all whatever oil and juice in your hand, the skin, and then you smell it. And then eventually you can understand from the smell that you get from that olive, that oil and the sensory profile that the oil may derive if you harvest it at that moment. So at times, Andrea and I will walk through these groves and we're constantly grabbing all of us and smashing. We go, no, we're not ready. No, we're not ready. That's the intuition so part. So what are those what are those characteristics though? Like what are you smelling when you do when you smash that olive? What is the first note that comes to you? Nature. That's the first note really? is one hundred percent is nature. It's vegetable, it's green. Uh there's there's a spice to it. Uh there's aromatic herbs, there's fresh cut grass. There's all these elements that eventually, they're very, very, very faint, obviously, when you do it in the olive. But you know that through the malaxing process of the mill, all of those aromas, if harvested and extracted correctly, will expand and become the oil that we hope to derive that, that year. Um, do you get a slight citrus from it? Uh, it, dep it depends. It depends on the cultivar. I mean, the, these cultivars in particular, not really. Uh, but then okay. again... Depends on the season and depends on what happened that year. Uh, and okay. depends. Sometimes you get different flavor notes. So you get different aromatic notes or hints of different things. I mean, for example, the Moraiolo, one of my favorite cultivars, is very pungent. It's very strong. Very, it's called Moraiolo or Morellino because it turns basically black. And it's round and small. And it packs a serious punch. It's really, you know, black pepper, super, super intense. Um, and when the winters were colder... We would always be able to extract a very prevalent tomato leaf note out of this cultivar. Really? And this past harvest, we were able to get a little bit of a tomato note, but years past, we wouldn't in the past two years prior. So uh, things kind of change, right? Um, the elements dictate that, I guess. The elements dictate. I mean, what we do dictates it too. The, you know, the outside temperature when you're harvesting, the temperature of the olives when you take them to the mill also changes. I mean, you know, two years ago, we did an experiment, same olives. This is in Spain, same olives, same tree, exactly the same tree, the same olive, perfect state of health and, and maturation, beautiful, beautiful fruit. Each one of them was extracted at one degree Celsius different. One degree. We're not talking about a lot. Three complete different oils. One spectacular, one really good or okay, and one border, one whatever. Not defective, but not. But so, I mean, just to say, like, there are so many things and every step, every step of the chain is extremely important. So for the moment that we decide to pick the olive is important. And that's a big one too, uh, an interesting one, not, not to go on a tangent, or no black olives or green olives. And I'm only saying that because I get asked this a lot. 
it's the same olive that matures over time. It starts green and goes all the way to dark purple. But often people are like, oh, I, I prefer black olives over green olives. It's one olive. <laughs> so, so, we, so one of them is picking uh, the right level of maturation. Then there's also, again, going back to the relationship between us and the tree. Sometimes the tree doesn't want to give you the olive. So we'll resist. And then at that point, the olive is not ready to come out. I mean, if we listen to nature sometimes, there's, there's a point where like, there's a perfect amount of time where there's a little bit of a give and pull from the tree and, and the hand that the olive wants to come out. That's the time that we want to um, harvest them. At the right maturation phase, for us, it's usually where it's called inviatura, where it starts to change from green to black. Um, and lately, not to get super technical, but lately it's been interesting because before we would just look at the skin on the outside. Go, hey, it's changing. That looks like the right color. We're going to harvest. Now things have changed. So now we got to cut out the skin because now the skin is maturing a lot faster than the inside. So from the outside looking in, you will look at the olive and think it's ready mature because it's basically black. But then you would open the skin and you look inside and it's completely green, almost white. So it's still completely not ready. So you, we, we harvest it at the right time. We make sure that the olive does not get damaged. So we shake it. We don't, we don't, we don't do any aggressive um, harvesting of the olives. Our, we bring the olives within three hours to the mill. We keep them cool. Um, at that point, they're, they're washed. They, uh, we, they, they clean all the debris. And then we, we start the extraction process. Everything really under cold temperature. I and mean, again, the important thing here, I can go to any mill and get any olive oil. But here is the, how advanced is the technology of the mill and how skillful is the miller. So the expertise of the miller, the cleanliness of the mill, the, um, the technology of the mill, the time that it takes you to extract and process the, the, the olives, obviously the work that gets done in the grove that we talked about already, then filtering has to be filtered. We are nuts with filtering. We filter, filter, filter. You remove of all the impurities um, and, then, and then becomes um, you know, what we do at that point. I taste, the miller tastes, my friend Johnny Pernetti tastes, and the Apalyai, we taste, we like, hey, this feels good, this feels right. And then at that point, I'm like, I love it. Let's just say I love it. And even then, I want to remove my own bias. So I bring it to other professional tasters, and I have them blind taste it. And then after that, we bring it to a sensory panel, and I have 12 other tasters, 8 to 12 other tasters taste it blindly. Um, then we do the chemical analysis, and then I pack it all under nitrogen because oxygen and olive oil don't get along. And we fly to Toronto. It's fresh. It's alive when it's fresh. It should be consumed when it's fresh. And obviously, like anything else that's fresh, does not age very well. So our job, after you make you ideally the most the best interpretation of that season, our job is to maintain it as long as possible. It's to use it, to enjoy it, to really enjoy it, but also understanding that the inevitable death of an oil, that any oil, doesn't matter how good it is, will be rancidity and it will eventually oxidize. So our job is to maintain it, shield it from that rancidity as much as we can in the amount of time that it takes us to consume it. All right. So I also wanted to get into because <clears throat> we went around, we sourced from our listeners, um, we scoured the internet for some of the top most asked olive oil questions. 
And one of them was, how do I use olive oil in cooking? And what are some recipes that feature olive oil as a key ingredient? Okay. So for I have to answer this. For me, I'm going to ask you the question. So for me, what I like to do with olive oil is I like to saute a little bit in the olive oil because it, it infuses that olive oil into my food. Okay. And then I always finish the dish with a drizzle of fresh olive oil. So I was just going to say, Mediterranean diet, I it's kind of like an olive oil sandwich. We start our meals with olive oil, then you put f- some food on top of it, and then you finish it with olive oil too. So, <laughs> so okay. I mean, so we're the I, same. I, yeah, we're exactly the same. So I mean, you know, how do you use it? It's the foundation of the Mediterranean diet. I mean, I look at I look at olive oil, and again, we didn't talk about cooking a lot, but some of it is. It depends what you're looking for too, right? If you're not a person that likes to cook a lot then maybe don't go blow the bank on, on a bottle of olive oil. But if you care for the ingredients that you're selecting, if you really care about cooking, if you want to cook a meal for friends and family and really have that experience together, then you deserve to have a good bottle of olive oil. And why would you put an oil that's rancid or defective on the food that you've taken such care to make? Um, but some people don't. So at that point, I would say don't spend that kind of money. That there's no point. There's really no point to do it. Um, but from a health perspective, I would definitely want to fry with olive oil and one that has a high level of polyphenols because it gives me that oxidative stability and that extra protection. Um, but when you're using an oil that's high phenolic content, usually also has pretty strong flavor and aromatic profile, which you may or may not like for that to be interplaying with your food. That's the thing. That's exactly. the thing. Like you want to remind, I, I, I always remind people that if you're cooking with a good quality olive oil, you are going to have that flavor infused into whatever you're making. It's not yes. going to be a strong upfront flavor, but it will alter slightly what you're making. So if you're not a big fan of olive oil, do not use it in your cooking. Um, but I highly recommend it, right? Like yeah, it just it adds a little it extra. Yeah, it, it does every time. And then the better oil, yeah, when you, you're cooking with oil. And also, you know, cooking with extra virgin, there's a thing where now they've, they've discovered this. And, and hopefully I'm not going to butcher this, but this, this, this new study that came out that basically extra virgin olive oil does not penetrate the food. When it's, there's a certain quality of this olive oil, of this extra virgin, actually coats the food on the outside, meaning that it creates a nice crunch, the nice fry, that, that, that texture that we want to feel when we're eating fried food. But it doesn't really penetrate it too deep, which or at all. So the food that you're eating, it's lighter. So you're not getting that, oh, my gosh, I ate so much fried food and I can't even move, which is what you get when you're cooking with oils that are being degraded. Okay, so I ask every single guest, what is your kitchen confession? Do you have one that you can share with us? Yes. Um, um, no matter the time, I do a lot of travel and I've done a lot of travel my whole life. No matter the time that I come home, it's always spaghetti agli olio, spaghetti pomodoro, depending on the mood. Whether it's 5 a.m., 2 a.m., or 9.30 in the morning, it's plato spaghetti. And that grounds me and that tells me that I'm home again. And talking Thank about it, so I, it's almost lunchtime. I'm actually probably diving. <laughs> Getting hungry now. <laughs> Getting hungry uh, now, yes. Bill, honestly, thank you so much. This was thank a lot you of fun. So much. And thank I've you learned so much. so much from you. If people want to get in touch with you, follow you, find you, what can they do? Where do they go? 
so for anything personal like me it's at phil bucchino my name that's my uh my instagram handle and all, all my other handles my social handles is phil bucchino f-i-l bucchino uh for anything um abandoned grove or rejuvenation related it's at abandoned grove and obviously then there's two websites uh, philbucchino.com and abandonedgrove.com it's that time we've reached the end of another show did we get your stomach growling head over to kitchenconfession.com for more recipes and foodie finds plus you can check out ami.ca forward slash kitchen confession for all the latest on the podcast be sure to leave a rating and review so we can keep bringing you more episodes you'll love our producer and editor is matt agnew and i'm your host mary mamalini thanks for listening 